Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, three-year, 30,000-mile complimentary maintenance, and America's best warranty ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. America's best warranty claim based on total package of warranty programs. See dealer for limited warranty details. Complimentary maintenance included Hyundai approved oil and oil filter change, except for electric vehicles and fuel cell electric vehicles, plus tire rotation, normal factory schedule maintenance intervals for three years or 36,000 miles, whichever comes first. More frequent maintenance due to severe driving conditions or conditions is excluded. Offer valid only for new 2020 or 2024 Hyundai models purchased or leased on or after February 1st, 2020. See your Hyundai dealer for further details and limitations. Hi, Timmy Whispers here from Gimme the Hot Sauce Podcast. The two-way V4 features groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam, creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Fuel cell gives you the ultimate energy return, ensuring every step feels explosive and dynamic. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort for the entire game. The upper construction features a lightweight textile that reduces weight while remaining supportive and breathable. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way at newbalance.com. Oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce! Bill Pump! Give me the hot sauce! Derrick Rose can go upstairs! Let me step back and kiss myself! MVP time! Windy City Assassin does it again! We are fired up for episode 36 of Give Me the Hot Sauce, so we start this show with a warning. We don't normally record this show on Friday afternoon, <laughs> which in other words is happy hour. We have started happy hour, happy hour here at the uh, Hustle and Flow Studios. Our guy Timmy Whispers ran out to get some uh, refreshments. He comes back with Fritos, Stacy. Who the hell eats Fritos? <laughs> okay. I, let me tell you something. I this, I haven't seen someone eat Fritos since the first grade. <laughs> when I was in the first grade, and your mom made lunch, yeah. and then you yeah, you, you know, bag your Fritos. And, you know, and so yeah. when you go to lunch with all the kids, you try to trade. Yeah. like I'll give you some ding dongs for this. Nobody was trading for Fritos. Nobody's taking. Nobody Fritos. wanted Fritos. So <laughs> to see back. to see Timmy Whispers bring Fritos back, America. I just wish you could. I, I I looked across the table hey. and I'm like. They're what the good. hell is that? Fritos? Hey, it's just corn chips cut into ribbons. They're crunchy and delicious. <laughs> I'm, I'm sticking. He's looking for a sponsor. He's looking for a sponsor. No, Fritos. You, in my opinion, me. Fritos is <laughs> only good in like Frito pie. Yeah, Frito pie. When you put the who the, the hell eats Frito pie in a soccer game? Susie's talking about walking game. down the street with a with a bag of fr- yeah, yeah. Fritos with beef tacos. in it. I don't see you reaching over here. I don't see you reaching over here for some Fritos, <laughs> Southside. You know what I'm talking about? How you love Fritos? I ain't seen you not one time reach over to get this bag, and it's a big bag too. It's not like the little. She's baby gonna go bag. over to the kitchen and rustle up some beef. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who eats the regular Doritos? Let me well, see. Let me it smell like feet, Stacy. Oh my god, they smell like feet. America, America. Okay, if these are not cool ranch, okay, these are. The regular Doritos. This is like when you open a bag and you got a house full of people. The first thing you say is, "Whose feet smells like this? Somebody's feet stinks." It's because they're eating Doritos. America, look, who eats these? No one eats these anymore. Do they even sell these? Where'd you well, get these? At the dollar it's store. It's a very limited store. I went to. You know, I was looking saying. for popcorn. Sit your butt down, Southside. Hey, all I okay. know is you were late. This oh, poor guy. Wow. Abused wow. for thirty years. 
He goes to me, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go out and get snacks for Stacy. I'm going to get him a special concoction. No, I'm no. going to get him some drinks. America. And, America. Uh, he forgot my popcorn. America. America. Stacy's got popcorn. I got, I got, I got Garrett's. Garrett's, look yeah, here. Yeah, but Stacy doesn't share. This is the best right here. Garrett's popcorn. Oh, my goodness. Garrett, if you're, Garrett's, if you're listening. <laughs> you named a child you know, after him. It's so I good. I got a son named Garrett. <laughs> I love your popcorn. We don't turn nothing down but our collar. So we, we would really, really like some of your popcorn. The, the cheese popcorn is oh, the best. Oh, oh I, I got the caramel right now. It's he, nice. He doesn't the, share the Mark. cheese. Well, well you didn't, hey, listen, I don't know where your hands have been. So you're not gonna dig in my. We're in a pandemic, Susie. We're in a pandemic. You need to get some rubber gloves, or I'll pour you some. But I don't know where your hands have been. You've been touching John, Captain America, with his little Captain America shirt. He's the he's the black Captain America. He's the dark Captain America. He's the dark side. You got a black shirt on with a black flag. Mix it with Fritos. Yes. You know what, man? I'm telling you, put those Cheetos, those Fritos away. Nobody eats those. And America, if you eat these Fritos, come on YouTube. Leave a message and tell me that you love Fritos and you, you would eat them all the time. Because I just don't believe anyone eats plain Fritos no, anymore. No, nobody does anymore. That's for little kids' That's lunches. That's for little kids' lunches. Kindergarten, yes. first grade. First grade. Yeah. First oh, grade. so good. Hey, Tim. <laughs> hey, um, I'll trade you I'll trade you some ding-dongs. Uh, what do you got? I got Fritos. Oh, that's okay. I'll just eat my ding-dongs. <laughs> I'll you try it next, wow. next week. That's a pretty good segment. Kids' snacks. What were your snacks? You know, well, we'll you get had, to it at some you, point this summer. Right. I mean, that's a good one. <laughs> Basketball season's almost over. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Hey, you know, you know, another potential sponsor that the new company, Obvious Shirts, that's really catching on big with you know, baseball player wears a sign on his shirt says "Baseball Player." We get one for whispers saying "Abuse for thirty years." It's <laughs> <laughs> getting printed oh, now. America. America, this guy swears he's been abused for 30 years, okay? I've known this guy for 30 years, and there has not been abuse, okay? I, I love this man like like a stepbrother, okay? Like a, the brother like we never John talk C. about. Riley? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the brother we never talk about. The brother never comes, you don't ever see him, he's in the basement tied up. That's what I said, I must love. Just I don't have, rub right? your balls on my drum set. Wow! <laughs> okay! Once again, wow, whispers. Where it's a little bit too close. Definitely don't share your popcorn. But yeah, definitely not with him. Friday. They're so close that Stacy has to invite himself over. Yeah. Yeah, you just mad because you didn't get invited. We're still waiting for that. Give me that. And, 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 and I'm over there pulling for you guys yeah, to invite is. you he over. Yeah. And and he keeps he keeps stalling. Uh, <laughs> like I'm like, hey man, can I get those ribs this weekend? Uh, let me call you back. And I never hear back from yeah. him. And then we're back here at the next show. It's been a whole week, and he says, "Hey, you want those ribs? Like, yeah, didn't you see him on Instagram?" Wow, <laughs> wow. you're on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to work Instagram. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Oh boy. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have access to YouTube, switch over because you're yes. going to want to watch. Yes. There's all kinds of fun going to be going oh. down over the next 90 minutes yeah. or so. And speaking of abuse, uh, Mike Budenholzer and the Bucks really oh. got abused in the first two games of the NBA Finals. Poor coaching strategy, poor execution, and Chris Middleton on a milk carton. I guess that pretty much sums it up, Stacey. Well, this is no time for disappearance. No. You get to the finals, it's one shot, your opportunity. You may not ever get to this yeah. pinnacle again. It's not easy to get here. And they've had a long journey the last three or four years. Whispers, chew away from the microphone, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I want yeah. you to know I'm having Fritos. Wow, man. He's smacking. He's crunching. Right? Stacey's yeah. making a good point. Yes. Yeah. 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 I lost away. all train of thought because yeah. he's, he's chewing a little nasty. <laughs> 
I thought it was static. I'm like, gee, who's got this <laughs> feedback? I'm over here on the board. You can oh, turn your head and chew. Yeah. Oh, no, this was intentional. Oh, oh it's he intentional. Doesn't, he doesn't say anything, but no. he chews. Yeah, he, yeah, that's the only time we hear him is when he's chewing on nasty Fritos. Oh, he's heavy breathing. Well, Frito, no one opens Frito the Doritos. Lay, Frito Lay people, listen, we're not slamming Fritos. You know? So if you want to throw some Cool Ranch Doritos our way, uh, sponsorship, we don't turn nothing down but our college. We, we do love Fritos. We do. I eat them every night. Great on chili. <laughs> Great on chili. They're, they're just awesome. I, I mean, I even eat them by themselves. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> He's lying. But that was, back to, that back. was like Mike Budenholzer trying to defend the pick and roll. Exactly. Now back to our point. <laughs> oh, Jesus. This guy here. This guy's throwing music in, man. Back to our point, Mark. Yeah. I was so mad last night. So mad, upset, upset about how everything went down and the defense. And I mean, listen, Milwaukee's going to look back on this, and that was a game they should have got. Mm-hmm. You know, you take away the second quarter, they got outscored 30 to 16. Pretty much every other quarter, they jumped off to a good first quarter. They started off good. But that second quarter, I mean, getting blown out 30 to 16, that was the difference in the ball game. Also, their inability to get loose balls, 50 50 yeah. balls. They looked like they were tired. They looked like. They were an old team, and they just could not get to loose balls. Phoenix out-hustled them to a lot of loose balls, and, you know, that was a difference in the ball game. And they continued switching defense uh, late in games. You know, the lineup that I like, that I hope they go back to, you can't play it all night long, but you can play it in huge stretches, is when you put Holiday at the one, uh, Pat Connaughton as the two guard, Middleton as your small forward, P.J. Brown, if you want to go that route to match up with Tucker, yeah. no match, uh, t- not P.J. Brown, P.J. Tucker to match up with you know Jay Crowder, and then you throw Giannis at the five. That way, when you switch, everyone can switch into denial, and you you have no open shooters because you know if you're not going to utilize Brooke Lopez in the post, what is he out there for? Because you're they're taking advantage of him in the pick and roll on the offensive end, so. When they come back on the offensive end, they've got to punish the smaller sons because they have no depth. Sarge is out. They have no quality depth behind Aiton if he gets in foul trouble. So that should be your main priority to get him in foul trouble, make them play small, and take advantage of their lineups. At the start of the game, too, Giannis looked like Shaq out there. He was just backing people down, dunking on top of everybody. They, Bucks got up 21-12, to 12, but then you know, Giannis is still coming back from that knee injury. He got a little fatigued. He had to go to the bench. When they went to the bench, they got nothing, and they were so slow in their rotations trying to close out on three-point shooters. Devin Booker killed him over and over again. Phoenix shot 20 for 40 from the three-point line, which is crazy good for the finals. Well, again, they're getting wide-open shots. I mean, when you see guys like Booker, Booker and Paul should never be open. Right. Those are the two guys you never leave. Even if they're not even in the play, you have to stay connected to those two guys because they can kill you. But it's guys like Crowder who are getting wide Bridges. open. Bridges killed you last night. You know, guys that you're, you're you're not respecting as NBA players, basically, those guys are killing you. You know, Crowder went to the finals last year with Miami. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a tough, hard-nosed player. He can knock down spot-up threes. And Phoenix does a great job offensively of really opening the floor. You know, and when they run those pick-and-rolls with Aiton, the difference between Aiton in this series and then a guy like Capella in the Atlanta series for Milwaukee is because Capella is just a dive guy. He's a guy that fumbled a lot of balls. He doesn't have really good hands. And it, they didn't really punish Milwaukee on those dive cuts. And he misses easy stuff around the basket. 
The difference in this series is Aiton can score. Aiton yeah. can score anywhere on the floor. He can pick and pop. He can pick and dive. He can post up. He's got. He's good with either hand. And when he rolls to the basket, he's not fumbling the ball. He's going up strong, and he's playing like a seven-footer, and he's playing with tremendous confidence in this series. And, and really, he's their third option, and he really, really gets them going. Everybody's talking about the fact that the Bucks have played poorly in a lot of areas. Though know, they're pick and roll defense, uh, both Middleton and Holiday haven't shot the ball well. But I think we're kind of short selling the Phoenix Suns. That's a damn good team. When you consider they hadn't made the playoffs since 2010, they'd been similar to the Bulls. They've been floundering in the lottery, just hoping for some good luck. They they made some really good picks, but they're playing they're playing great. I mean, Milwaukee at the start of that game yesterday. Chris Paul killed him in game one. So they said, Chris Paul's not going to beat us in this game. They tried to send help for Chris Paul, dish it off in the corner. Mikel Bridges is hitting threes. Crowder's hitting threes. It seems like they have an answer for everything that the Bucks are trying. Well, and, and one of the things that is killing Milwaukee <clears throat> is when they drive baseline and they take the baseline, Milwaukee is funneling all the defensive players going to the guy on the baseline, and they're losing sight of the shooters. And so what Phoenix is doing, anytime someone drives to the baseline, automatically the guy on the opposite opposite side slides to the corner to give yeah. an, an outlet pass to a wide-open shooter. And that's when your Crowder's hitting. That's a Booker hitting that shot. And it's killing Milwaukee because all four guys are rotating to the dive guy. You have to stay connected to shooters. You don't need all four guys to collapse in the paint and try to stop a dribble penetration, especially when a guy's not even trying to score. He's looking to make that pass. Yeah, remember, they were 8-0 in the bubble last year, and right. a lot of people thought they could have probably taken down the Lakers. Nobody wanted to play them. And yet last night's game, they've had 10 passes in 24 seconds. The spacing has been unbelievable. You know, to his point, and like Stacy you know, said, they they stick to their principles. Guys yes. are where they're supposed to be. You've yeah. seen a, a number of, of, of situations where it looked like the point guard, whether it was Chris Paul or even Cameron Payne, would get cut off underneath the basket, and you're thinking he's going to throw that away, and he, he knew exactly where the shooter was. Then, exactly, and, hit that over and it's and over the again. same. It's the same play every single time. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who drives baseline. It could be Bridges. It could be you know, it could be Chris Paul, Booker. They're looking for that corner pass. They're they're not trying to score. They no, know they're not, not going to score because there's no way there's no way they can score with four guys in there. So they're looking to throw that little pass to the to the baseline guy. And the one thing I like about Phoenix is is that the ball doesn't stick. Even if that guy in the corner has a wide open shot and they rotate out there quick because they started to rotate in the second half out to that guy. They made that extra pass to where the guy left to go help. They went right back to the guy who's wide open. And it was Booker a lot of times, exactly. which you never leave. Exactly. You never, you cannot, if you're Milwaukee, and I, I'm, I'm going to continue to say this, there's two guys on the floor you cannot leave. You have to stay connected to them. You cannot worry about helping people out. You can only help if they're in your area, if someone's driving towards you and you're at the top of the circle, you might be able to slide one step down and close the drive off, make him pick up his dribble and then close back out to the shooter. But to full out sell out and try to double team like a guy like Drake, Jay Crowder dribbling. Why, yeah. why are you doubling Jay Crowder? Right, right. He's not going to beat you off the dribble, but you're over committing to things and it's leaving wide open shooters. You know we, what we I should was just going to say, yeah, go when you look at this game too, Every number favors the Bucks, except for the shooting, the three-point shooting. Points in the paint, fast break points, offensive rebounds. I know there was some 50-50 balls that we talked about, but, I mean, to me, the problem has been this this three-point shooting, this willingness to stay with that, like, instead of having Brooke Lopez punish the opponent in the paint. I mean, they had eight games so far in the playoffs where so they shot less than 30%. They're not going to be able to do that against the Suns. Well, in today's game, the three-point shot is the great equalizer. And what was it yesterday, 20-9? to nine? 
I'm not great at math, but that's 33 points difference. Right. Yeah. That makes up you know, for all the other things. For it all kills the other Well, yeah. and, and, and I said this, we were talking about this before we came on the show. And that was a great discussion. We it should was. have recorded We should have recorded I mean, yeah. So <laughs> we might not ever get that good again. <laughs> but, but if you're going to play Brooke Lopez, number one, and they're going to expose him on the defensive end, you have to expose Phoenix on the offensive end. You have to put him in the paint. You've got to, you got to say, okay, they're going to double you because Aiden can't guard you one-on-one. -on -one and get him in foul trouble. Get him in foul trouble because they have no one coming off the bench with size. So you get Aiden out the game. That's one element out the game that's been killing you. He's gone now. Okay. Now you force double teams. People are coming down doubling Brooke Lopez. Now your shooters are wide open. Boom, boom, boom. You knock some shots down. Yeah. Hey, we should say something about the two-time MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who scored 42 points, including 20 in the third quarter. That hadn't been done since uh, Michael Jordan, I think, back in 1993, scoring 20 points in a quarter. When you, Susie was impressed. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot to impress her. Oh man! Wow, John still hasn't impressed her. Oh, but oh, 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 I'm performing on Saturday night by, at Zanies. By the way, uh, this is the shirt. The south side, you can't see it, but this is the shirt that I purchased for her. This is my 25th wedding. Anniversary. No, no. Yeah, well, yeah, that's not true. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at it. He's like, wow. yeah, that's not true. Well, we'll see. You, you should at least let, let her show the shirt. Yeah, I mean, show the shirt. the shirt. Yeah, you mentioned the shirt. Yeah. I got it. There you go. There it Southside. Yeah, she's she's representing. Very you know, nice. that was the only gift that she got nah, for, um, for I, her wedding anniversary. I, I do want to mention that our, <laughs> our guest, Mark Price, is in the Sriracha waiting room. Oh. Okay. He's listening. He's in the room. The greatest he's like, Why shooter did I agree to go on this Oklahoma show? Oklahoma high school <laughs> basketball I'm, I'm history. He, he will be on our site. I just want you guys to know that he's here. Because um, we were talking about three-point shooting, I'd love to get his take, but that's for the second segment. I just he would kill in this league. A little, now. Just a little memo. Just yeah, Mark so Price coming up in just league. a couple of minutes. But we're talking about Giannis, and when you consider that that injury just eight days ago or, or ten days ago now looked like that might be he's gone for a year. He even said it when it happened. He thought, "Oh, I'm out for a year," and he comes back in a week. He was good in game one. He was spectacular in game two. That's some Michael Jordan stuff. Seriously, yeah. like I mean, as far as getting injured and people think you're going to be out longer than you are. And he always said, if he bounces back, the recovery is yeah. like, there's no way in the world. I thought he was no. coming back. There's no way in the world. I, I even said it last show. I'd be surprised to see him out there with that knee bent. And, but you can still, you can tell though. He's not the Giannis that he was before injury. You can tell, even though he played. And I think his adrenaline is carrying him because he wants to win so bad. And I think he's just playing like at a higher level because he's an MVP caliber guy. Um, but you can tell that some of the moves around the basket where he would be dunking on people. And, and I get so nervous when he's going to the basket and he gets that Euro step and he steps he steps with that bad knee. I get so, like, I cringe every time he yeah. does that. And I'm just, like, praying, like, come on, man, just get through this game. <laughs> don't, yeah, he don't came up gimpy a couple of times, but yes. it never slowed him down. Yeah, and I just heard a Michael Jordan record, so I'm going... Hey. <laughs> what the hell are you talking Play about? Up, you just, did she eat some Fritos? She just happened to <laughs> no, jump in. No, she actually had, had a beer. Oh, no wonder why she's talking. No wonder why she's talking. Thank God it's Friday. It's Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy, hour. Happy, happy hour. Happy hour. Sauce. I don't want to rain on the happy hour, but I'm sorry. 42 minutes, 42 points in 40 minutes. I think the only thing he didn't, shouldn't maybe limited was the three point once again, one for five. Yeah. Because, I mean... <clears throat> I think it's hard to criticize else. him after 42. Listen, right, but I'm it just is saying, hard to criticize but, but, him. I mean, he was running over guys. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I mean, listen, we're he, all armchair, armchair point guards when yeah. it comes down to it. Okay, my take on, on Giannis is is that 
when you put that lineup, I said going small really would really take his game to another level, take the shooter's game to another level because you play him at the five, P.J. Tucker, shooter at the four, uh, Middleton, shooter at the three, Connaughton, shooter at the two, and then you got Drew Holiday also that can break down the defense and drive. It opens up so much for him to be inside, to be able to dive, to, to set screens and rolls. How many screen rolls have we seen him with a 1-3, a 1-4 screen roll, one you know a 2-4 a screen roll? There is none of that. He's not doing any of that. He's getting a lot of his stuff getting off the glass, and he's starting the break and initiating the offense, and he's trying to go coast to coast. I'd like to see him be more efficient scoring-wise. So he had to really work to get 42. Like, seriously, they really – they're playing defense on him – like they've been playing defense on him. Well, Jay the, Crowder. The, yeah. Jay Crowder is the well, Giannis. Go elixir. back go yeah. back to the years where Milwaukee couldn't advance, yeah. where they packed the lane in yeah. mm-hmm. and said, listen, you're not going to drive on us. And and yeah. Phoenix is doing that to him. And he's 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 scoring, but he's having a hard time, especially not well, being Well, it's wearing 100%. him down. It's wearing him down. Yeah. A, but, you know, your point of that lineup, and then you could bring in, you mentioned Lopez and Forbes now. Yes. Right? If, now, if you're going to post up Lopez. Because Forbes, but they needs, don't do that. Forbes needs to be be getting the ball on the move, single double screens coming off, coming off He's catch and shoot. Guys, okay, yeah. or if there was a double team on Lopez and dribbles to the middle, double team comes, he fans to one side, they hit him on the move, three-point shot. Because he is a very good three-point yes. shooter. Yeah. But he's not a good three-point shooter when he's just kind of a standstill guy. If you're just going to stand there and he has to just raise up, he's not that. He's got to be moving around, coming oh, yeah. off single-double screens. Yep. And if they don't get him moving, then he's going to have a hard time scoring because you don't really have to guard him then. Because if he's not moving, he's going to stay in one spot. I can run down and help on Giannis on the drive and 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 force Giannis to give the ball up. And then you got Forbes not ready to shoot. Then he's forced up a shot because they're, Phoenix is rotating very well. They're getting out to the shooters. No one's getting really open looks. They're really, really uh, – the kid, uh, Bridges, is doing a great oh. job on Middleton. Oh, he's locked him yeah, up. I mean, the same thing we saw Cam Reddish do in yeah. Atlanta. Yeah. Now you're seeing a guy who actually – Played all year. Six, seven, yeah, long yeah, arms. Yeah. And he, he's, 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 he played all season. Yeah, yeah. And he's one of their better defenders. Yep. And he's really, really giving Middleton a lot of hard problems because of the length. Yeah, it looks pretty desperate for Milwaukee right now. But we've seen this in series. Even for the Bucks, they lost the first two against Brooklyn. I think they lost by 100 points in game yes. two. And they came <laughs> yeah. back and won the series. It's I mean, never can over. they get back in this? Yes, they can. And that's why, you know, that's why going home, you know, game three is so important. How you start game three. You cannot come out, and we saw them in the playoffs come out at home flat. Mm-hmm. You cannot get off to a flat start. You got to come out with energy. You got to use the crowd. Phoenix crowd was unbelievable. Like, seriously, I I was sitting there watching the games. I was ready to go out there and shoot some jumpers. I was pumped up. <laughs> the crowd was hyped. I mean, yeah, they seriously, were, they, were, they were hyped. How annoyed are you, though, with the ABC coverage of the double box showing the fans counting down? I mean, yeah, is that kind of gimmicky? Like, somebody from way up top thought that was a great and idea. Fan, and from, a, from guys that cover Giannis. the game. Like, Giannis has sped up his routine. Yeah, too. but I He's mean, getting do, it off easily do we, within do we really seconds. need to see a double box of some no. Jeff Spicoli-looking dude <laughs> yeah, counting yeah. down? <laughs> I mean, seriously, like... This, this is the NBA Finals. This isn't some yeah, regular kinda, season it's game. Kinda, it's kind of Stinger's it's got his director hat. Yeah, on it's kind of over the top. I think it's over the top. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting there listening to this countdown. You know, it's like okay. Obviously, the officials are not going to call it. So no. stop counting. Yeah. It's like one, two. Well, I mean, they did they, that to Carl Malone in the finals. Yeah. yeah. But the, but the officials not going to call it. So, so who just cares? let it go. Yeah. Who let cares? It go. Let, let, let it go. Yeah. Uh, Eleven for eighteen. Right. Not not too shabby. Right. For well, yeah. I mean, if he if I think if he like I mean he's if he 
is being rushed like that, you can tell that he's not thinking about it. See, when he has to think, uh, and that's when the short arms, when you get the T Rex arms. But when he's folk, when he's focused, like you know, he feel, he knows he's got to get it off. It's, it's almost like his form is a thousand times better when he feels like he's rushed. Yeah. It's when he has all that time mm-hmm. and he's sitting there statue. rolling the ball and he's statue and he's yeah. talking about. I'm gonna go to dinner tonight. Okay, my brother. Oh, listen, my brother over there, Thanos. What's up, brother? You know. And then he gets up there and short arms the ball. <laughs> Thanos. We call we call him the nasty in Milwaukee. And I'm thinking maybe run him out there for a little bit. No. Let him run out there no. a little no, bit. No, no, he can't no. play. He can't play. No. He can't no. play. But I'm saying, you know, I mean, Bryn Forbes can't play defense. I'm saying you got to be able to stop Phoenix. Somebody's going to have to stop these guys. They, they tried him for like two minutes against John Collins. And he got like three fouls. Yeah, John said, Collins. Go different. Thanos well, cover and sit down with your Infinity mean, Stones over there. I mean, there. listen, listen. <laughs> but see, here's here's another problem too. Is that you know, Monty Williams is pushing the right buttons. He's getting the right people in the game yeah. in the right situations. Budenholzer has lost confidence in the guys that helped him get there. Bobby Portis is not playing. Like two minute. minutes. Yeah, two time. minutes a game. You Because a guy has a, a, a tough night, you can't go away from him. Mm-hmm. This is why guys lose confidence. So then when you need him, when you need him to come in and play – he can't play now because his his you know he's he's so tight and uptight. He's one of the top three point shooters in the league this year. He was a six point six man of the, you know considerate. How can you not like you had all year to see this guy matchups? They always fall back on. I, I, like the but I, I totally agree. Like Bobby Portis, man, you can't you can't go away with guys. I mean, I, your rotation six men, seven seven guys deep in the finals. You you don't go away. This is where coaches, I believe, and, and just in my opinion, being a player, this is where coaches fail. Is that just because a guy had one bad game, he helped you get here, and you turn, you basically say, "Oh, he's done. Two minutes here." You're gonna tell me that he can't do a better job in the pick and roll defense than what Brooke Lopez is doing, and plus give you a legit rebounder, toughness, three point shooting. I, got, I don't he, get it. He did get abused against Chris Paul a little bit. But who doesn't? I, I, I agree. Who doesn't? I agree. I mean, well, he tried abusing. to swipe the ball from him. And yeah. You yeah. reach, I teach. Yeah, but, 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 but like you know, I like that, Mark. Yeah, that's you know, but the problem is, like I said, and it's going to continue to be this way because no one works on defense. The NBA does not work on defense. This, this Defense is something that's taught and coached, and you know, you're know you learning the fundamentals. Just like you learn the fundamentals of passing, fundamentals of getting open on shots, you have to have fundamentals on defense. You have to have defensive principles. Ball, you man. That was one thing that Johnny Bach really taught us. I thought I played defense at Oklahoma, but I didn't play no defense at Oklahoma until I got to the Bulls. <laughs> Seriously, I, I thought, I mean, I blocked a lot of shots, and I thought that was defense. <laughs> but I found out very quickly, I knew nothing about defense until I came to the Bulls. And Johnny Bach, the way he taught defense, you know, point your pistols, you know. And, and what he meant by that is, is that I got to know where the ball is, I got to know where I'm at, and I got to know where my man's at. So if, if my man's below me, I can see him out the corner of my eye, and I also can see the ball. So I never lose sight of where everybody is. Now, if you move up, I have to move up because now you move out of my sight. These guys nowadays, they don't even know where their man is half the time. They're looking over here to the ball, the guy dribbling. All of a sudden, their man's at the three-point line, wide open, and hits a three. They're, they have no concept of defense, ball, you man, where to see, when to rotate, when not to rotate. You got to know who you're rotating to. If I'm rotating to a guy who's a 29% three-point shooter, I'm basically not even rotating out to him. I'm just yelling, miss! <laughs> okay? But if I'm rotating out to Booker, or Chris Paul, I'm full on rotating. I'm getting out there. I'm, 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 matter of fact, I'm pre-rotating. I know the ball's coming out there. I'm already starting my rotation and getting on my horse, as we say. Get on your horse 
before the ball even gets there. But these guys, Milwaukee is so late on rotations on the perimeter, not so much in the paint, but on the perimeter. They're so late out there. So if they don't make those adjustments, boy, they're going to, it could be that, what's that dude that beat up the fan? Uh, Sons in four. four. Yeah. They're all, yeah. Child, I think yeah, that guy's undefeated too. Now. He's still fighting people. He's, <laughs> I think he's undefeated because the Suns in four. Yeah. I think I, if they don't make that adjustment, boy, it's going to be. Well, Stacy mentioned his high school and college days in the state of Oklahoma. We're coming up next. We're going to have one of the greatest shooters in the history of the league. Legend. An Oklahoma legend. Mark Price. Next. Next, next to me, America. Sauce. Next to me, America. I'm a legend too, America. <laughs> Episode 36 of Gimme the Hot Sauce, and it's time to welcome in our special guest, a man who is very familiar to Chicago Bulls fans from battling Michael Jordan and company when he was a star guard for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And as Stacey King will tell us, one of the greatest players from the state of Oklahoma, he says, what, the second best of all time? Hey, listen. Listen, America. <laughs> I'm just going to say one of the greatest shooters, not just in Oklahoma history, like schoolboy history. Right. Okay? Right. If there would have been a three-point line when he played in high school, every record would be his. And that's no joke. The great Mark Price joining Gimme the Hot Sauce. Thank you so much for joining the show. And I know you got a chance to listen to some of the craziness in the first segment. This show is, gets a little bit crazy at times, so we'll try to, to keep it somewhat <laughs> civilized during your segment. I want to ask you about the finals first. Uh, I don't know what you've observed in watching the first couple of games. Do you think it's been strategy or just Phoenix is the better team at this point through the first two contests of the finals? Well, I do think Phoenix is a better team right now. But, uh, you know, like some of you guys said, I think, you know, Milwaukee's gotten themselves, putting themselves in a bad position a lot. Uh, not necessarily feeling like they're taking advantage of what the pieces that they have. Do they have as many pieces as Phoenix? I don't think so. Uh, but they got enough pieces, and but I don't feel like they've really been using them the right way. When you when you look at today's game, Mark, and and you being such a very very good shooter, three point shooter in your time. How would you have loved to play in, in this this era with the way there with everything is based around the three point shot now? Well, my teammates probably would have hated me if I played right now. <laughs> I all the shots. <laughs> all the shot. My big, my big men, Brad, Larry, and Hot Rod, they would, they, they wouldn't be happy campers right now because I'd be taking about twenty a game. But uh, uh, no, it'd be a lot of fun to play in this era. Obviously, it's a different style, you know. I, but I, you know, you and I, we're both a little old school. I, I miss the the really good low post big men, the skilled guys. I think that's why. It's so fun to watch guys like Nikola Jokic, you know, with Denver. Yeah. Uh, it's in the post, and he, he just knows how to play. He can score. He can go outside. He, you know, hits the open man, just plays the game of basketball. Uh, I like uh, the big kid at Phoenix as well, Aiton. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a low post player. So I, I like to see some of that coming back into the league and not just, you know, five guys standing around the three-point line shooting 73s a game. I mean, I'm a three-point shooter, but. To be honest, I think that's a little boring sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, you were a couple of years ahead of Stacy in Oklahoma, and he was talking about the fact that that you were paired with some of the greatest players in Oklahoma history with uh, with AU basketball. When you reflect back on those days, how how special was that? 
Uh, I think it even gets more special when you look back on it. Uh, obviously, one big reason is Big Wayman, uh, you know, uh, is no longer with us. Uh, losing him brings, uh, you know, real perspective to that because uh, Wayman and I, not only did, were we teammates on the AAU, but we played in the same conference, you know, the old Indian Nations Conference, and, and we played against each other twice a year. Those battles were, were epic uh, when we played Booker T. Washington. And, uh, and so we kind of – we just had that bond together as we went up and even, you know, as we got into the league. And uh, we're just big, big fans. Uh, Wayman and I considered him a brother. And, and uh, it was just a lot of fun getting a chance to go because, you know, like Stacy said, I'm sure he's mentioned, I mean, the state of Oklahoma is known for football, right? Yep. And so uh, I remember when we put that AAU team together and Johnny Williams called me up and he had said, we got, you know, this group you want to play. And we were like, yeah, and we went down there and there was just coaches everywhere and Team Florida – who was predicted to be one of the top teams there. I'm sure they looked at the loose list of teams coming in and they saw Oklahoma and they were like, we're playing them first game. That's going to be our warm-up game. <laughs> and, you know, they were down 25 at halftime before they knew what it hit them. <laughs> uh, you know, people figured out real quick, we had some ball players coming out of the state of Oklahoma, particularly that year, not only Wayman, myself, but uh, Steve Hale. Yep. Went on to play in North Carolina. You had guys like Anthony Bowie. Uh, Chew Kennedy, those kind of guys. I mean, it was a talented group of guys uh, in the state, and it was a lot of fun to kind of make our mark out there and, and play all the big schools and all the big players from all the other states. It was a lot of fun. My, my question to you, Mark, is how in the hell did you get out of the state of Oklahoma and end up at Georgia Tech? Did Billy Tubbs recruit you? Well, not as hard as he should have. Yeah. <laughs> I've always, I've always wondered about that. Like, how in the hell did you and Steve Hale get out of the state of Oklahoma? Well, uh, you know, it goes back, and what's crazy is, you know, it's everybody in the state knows my dad played yep. in Oklahoma. Yeah, dad in Oklahoma, and I think I don't know if Billy thought this or what. You know, that Wayman was their guy. I mean, he was their number one guy, and you know, looking back on it. I mean, like I said, I didn't pass the eye test in a lot of ways. I was a baller, but, I mean, I was 5'11", 155 pounds. And so, you know, I, I'm not so sure, you know, they, they really thought how good I was or knew how good I was, but they didn't really put the time and effort in to find out. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people just assumed I was going to Oklahoma because my parents went there. I mean, Wayman was going there. If I would have gone, it would have been something sweet, but I just didn't feel like it was the right fit for me. Uh, just like everybody, when they're being recruited, they want to go where they feel like it's going to be the best situation for them. And the ACC at that time was just unreal. And getting an opportunity to to go do that and play Georgia Tech ended up being the right decision for me, obviously. But uh, but I know there's a lot of people that uh, were upset at my parents for a while. I thought I should have <laughs> stayed in the state, uh, and, and gone to OU, but. Uh, but it didn't work out that way, and it worked out for everybody. Wayman obviously had an unbelievable career there. I did well at Tech, and and uh, so it worked out for everybody. Yeah, that was that was a loss for us. That, that was a major loss because I look back on it. If Billy would have called me when I was in high school, uh, I would have told him, you know, yeah, get Wayman and get Mark Price. Those are the two. Those are the two guys you need to get because I remember you coming down to. We used to host a tournament called the Bi State Classic in Lawton. And you guys used to come in there. We used to have Wichita Falls, Texas, uh, Pampa, Texas. We had all these teams come in and play in this big tournament. And that's when I've, I I was like, I think a freshman. 
and I was at the Bi-State Classic, and I saw this little white kid. They're like, "Hey, this kid from Enid, like he he can score. He's, he'll score fifty. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, who?" And I wanted to see who this kid was. And you know, Mark wasn't big, so I'm I'm looking at somebody like somebody like six four, six five, but he was quick as a water bug. And he would come past half court, maybe two steps past half court, and the defense would be off of him, and he would just raise up. Bam! And hit like hit a shot, which would be a three point play. And what's that league? What's that league? The big three yeah. would be probably a ten point play <laughs> if he was playing that. But I, I couldn't, I could not believe how much range he had and how quick he was off the dribble. Nobody could stay in front of him. Like all these guys, he was Steph know, Curry before Steph Curry. Well, I, I tell people that when yeah. when we when we talk about Steph Curry on the broadcast sometimes and how good he is. We always, I always mention Mark Price. Mark Price reminds me, well, Steph Curry reminds me so much of Mark Price. The difference, though, is Mark Price could split the defense. Like, he was the one guard that we hated to trap against. Like, we used to run traps on. And so when Phil said, all right, we're going to trap him in the first, you know, first half, we're going to play him different in the second half. And we'd all be sitting like, oh, God, no, no. Can we, can we just show hard and recover? Because when we jump out to trap him, he would he would take one dribble and he would split the defense and he would always then you're in trouble. he always <laughs> got through the trap and then he would hit that little mid range jumper the little runner at the free throw line and then Phil would be yelling at us, get up and trap him like would you get your old ass out here and trap him he's splitting the double team damn I mean we're doing the best we can but I remember that was he was the hardest guy to trap we could trap Isaiah we could trap John Stockton but we could never trap him he would kill us with that and I always remember that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was fun. It's a funny story on that split, uh, splitting the defense. And I remember as my rookie season, we were playing against Philadelphia 76ers and, and, and Mo Cheeks. And that was back in the day. So they, they don't know this now, the, the young kids, but we used to have those back-to-back against yes. the same – yep. you play at home against somebody and then you fly the next night and go to their place and play them there. Well, we had played Philadelphia uh, in Cleveland, and I had my, like, rookie high. I think I had, like, 29 points at that game, I hit about five or six threes. And so we go back to Philly the next night, and they weren't going to let me go. They weren't going to let me do that again. So they start jumping me like like Stacy said. I mean, they were just trapping me everywhere. And so one time I came off of the screen, and, and the big guy kind of overcommitted, and it opened up kind of like the Red Sea there. And I, <laughs> I just instinctively and hit a little shot at the, jump, at the free throw line. And I remember running down the floor, and Mo Cheeks, who was, you know, the great Mo Cheeks, he said, man, that was a sweet move right there. <laughs> if Mo, Mo Cheeks thinks it's a sweet move, I'm going to start working on that. <laughs> you perfected it, though. That's I, I was watching a video on Father's Day on on on, uh, on Twitter. You were playing with your son in a pickup game, and uh, and you did that move on some on some regular dudes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, look at Mark. He's still getting people with that move. Oh my God. Yeah, Some regular dudes. You know, they didn't have that scouting report. <laughs> <laughs> they, you could tell they were like ankles were breaking. People were falling down and he was coming off. He was coming off the screen. The screen sucked. Was, the screen was terrible, but he still was able to, he's still doing that same move and he was getting all these doctors and lawyers that were falling down. And I'm like, Oh, he had to show his son. I saw what you said. You had to show your son. You still can play. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I gotta gotta show them every once in a while. I don't pull it out often, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, when you reflect back on your NBA career, people always love to put together lists. You know, lists of this and that, and then they talk about the greatest NBA teams not to win a title, and and your Cleveland Cavaliers group. 
so talented, so deep, but unfortunately had the misfortune of running into Michael Jordan and the Bulls during those years. When you look back on, on the battles that you had with Chicago, what stands out in your mind and, and, and maybe some regrets about a game that got away? Well, you know, people obviously get, I get asked about that a lot, you know, the Bulls and, and did I hate having to play the Bulls every year? And, and, and the thing was, was I, I, I love those series. You know, I, I mean, those series were, you know, Stacy Stacy knows, I mean, we probably don't get the credit that we deserve in a lot of ways because we didn't win a championship, but I mean, we were really, really good team. Yeah, they were. And, and we were a tough out and we enjoyed playing the Bulls. Matter of fact, you know, of course, everybody got the documentary that uh, that Mike did and, and she got a got a taste of all that. But um, you know, the year that year Michael hit the shot against us, we beat we beat Chicago six times that year. And wow. uh, I tell people all the time that at least that one particular you know that season that you know we we were the better team, but it come playoff time, Chicago had the better player. You know, and so many times as you see over the course of the season particularly in the playoffs, you know, it's those superstar players that set teams apart that are able to put a team on its back or to, to hit that great shot that needs to be hit at the right, right time. And, and as good as we were, and I mean, it wasn't like we were playing bad in those, in those games and in those series. I mean, Chicago and Michael just were able to, to always just take it up one more notch. And, um, you know, that part was, frustrating at times but also i mean you know when you know that you're playing at your highest level and and you get beat i mean you know uh it, it just happens in life and uh a lot of times we uh you know we weren't as healthy as we needed to be as well going into playoff series that that hurt us and a lot of times it's a matter of which is the healthiest team i think you're seeing that in this season more than you are have ever seen it before i mean phoenix might be the healthiest team <laughs> yeah you know, here they are on the cusp of winning winning a championship and a lot of reasons because they've been able to stay healthy this year. But uh, but yeah, we were we were a great team. Uh, you know, people talk about I think when we lost Ron Harper. Yes. That, that was a that was an X factor for us because, you know, I mean nobody can match up with Michael, but you know, Michael was gonna get his 30, but you know, Harper was gonna get 20, 25, and Michael was at least gonna have to guard. <clears throat> yes. Bit. And uh and I think when we lost Ron, when they made that trade, or, you know, and, you know, a lot of us got, you know, a lot of the guys that played in Cleveland, we still to this day don't really understand that trade and what, what went behind it or the thought process. But, but uh, it definitely hurt us, our chances to win a championship, because Ron was just that one guy that kind of guy that could go get a hoop, but, you know, when you need one. And he was a little bit of that X factor for us that I felt like was a guy that, that would have taken us over the top. I agree with you 100% because when you guys traded him to the Clippers for Danny mm -hmm. Ferry, I thought that really hurt you guys because we honestly felt that, I mean, watching those games and being in those, being in those games with, with Harp, I mean, MJ could score 35, Harp could get 30. And then, you know, that was an equalizer per se for you guys because you guys had, an, like you said, an X-factor guy that can go out there and get buckets. And then you think about all the guys that you had on that team that were great players. I mean, they were – Cleveland was a great team. Yeah. You had Mark. You had Hot Rod Williams, Larry Nance. You had Doherty, Doherty who was arguably one of the better centers in the league at that time. And they had matchup nightmares. You had Craig Elo coming off the bench. You had Mike Sanders. They had a nice squad. And, and, and then when they made that trade and, and sent Harper – 
we were all like, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> let me tell you something. Harper had gave us like 40 the night, the, the, the night before they traded him or the week before they traded us. He came to Chicago and gave us like 36 or 40 points. And then they traded him out to the Clippers, and we went out on our annual West Coast trip to play against the Clippers and Harp. And he gave us 40-something 40, 40 <laughs> out there for the, for the Clippers. And we were all just sitting there like, wow, man, if they would have kept this dude, like what were they Glad thinking? Glad he's out of the conference. Yeah, right. he, I mean, but, but my thing is I want to ask you this because I, like, I was in college when, when MJ hit the shot. Okay, so take our listeners into that huddle going into that timeout with your team and, and what, you know, Lenny was talking about or, and, and what you guys' defensive uh, philosophy was on that particular play because you guys had the game won and you come out for a timeout, you know he's going to be the guy that's going to take that shot. You know it. So what was going through your head and your, your team defensive strategy at that point? Well, um, the strategy was with – Obviously, Michael was able to, to get the ball anyway, but uh, Craig Elo was guarding him. And Larry Nance was the guy that was uh, guarding the inbounder. And so Lenny's thought process was, well, let's Larry's going to, as soon as they hand the ball in, he's going to leave his guy and try to go deny Michael the ball, you know, kind of double team before he catches it kind of deal. Don't let him catch it. Well, Mike, you know, Michael – was able to kind of go out and then come back and catch it and put him in a one-on-one situation against Craig Elo. And so Michael in two dribbles was able to get to his spot. Whereas looking at it in hindsight, it probably would have been better to just kind of let Michael push it out, let him maybe catch it closer to half court. And now maybe double team to give yourself a better opportunity. Uh, hindsight's always 20-20, but uh, you know, Michael was just a great player and you know, he wasn't going to, you know, he beat that double team to get the ball and then just made made a great play. It was unreal. I mean, he literally had to hang in the air. I mean, Craig Elo did a fabulous job getting back into play. Michael raises up. Craig comes by. Michael just hangs and lets him come by. <laughs> shot go. It, it was it was incredible, incredible shot. But uh, I mean, obviously, it was devastating for us. But it it, it was definitely uh, you know a classic. You know, no doubt that that whole game was back and forth and back and forth. Uh, and it was it was an awesome game to be a part of. I caught a clip last week of your old teammate, Brad Doherty. You know, he's a big NASCAR guy. He does a lot of national commentary. And they showed him in the pits at seven feet interviewing this driver who had to be like 5'5". Five, five, and the guy's looking up at him like it was his father. <laughs> when, you, when you see Brad on TV now, you give him a hard time about uh, the way he's assimilated into broadcasting and, and being this NASCAR expert. The funny thing is, it's it doesn't surprise me one bit because uh, Brad and Larry they were they were always in the NASCAR, you know. <laughs> oh wow! I remember when we would go on trips as a team. They'd come walking in on the plane with a briefcase, and of course, I you know I'd be like, "What do you guys got in the briefcase? <laughs> you got uh, car magazines in those briefcases. That's all you got in those briefcases." <laughs> You know, they used to just talk about it. Larry was in the drag racing. Brad was more into NASCAR, but uh, oh, they love that stuff. So I mean. Brad knew that like the back of his hand. So that was a natural fit for him. Uh, a lot of people look at him like, you know, how, do you, <laughs> how does he know anything about this? I mean, he, a lot of people don't realize he wore the number 43 for Richard Petty. Wow. Yeah. You know, wow. Uh, a lot of people don't know that where that's why he wore the number 43. So that shows you how big of a NASCAR guy Brad was all the way back. And then they took Larry Nance's uh, number out of the rafters. So his kid could wear it. Right. Yep. So it, it comes full circle, doesn't it? We're all getting old, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 
That's all that means. That's all. Yeah. That hey, just because you're old doesn't mean you're cold. Hey, hey, Mark, I want to ask you about a game uh, in the playoffs against the Bulls. Ninety-two. You mentioned Danny Ferry. St- Stacy's told the story about the hit. <laughs> oh yeah, the hit on on Danny Ferry. I just wanted to get, you know hear your side of that of that tale. Which uh, the the game? Well, get Stacy. Well, he's talking about the game where we played. It was I think it was game five in Cleveland. And Danny Ferry came in and hard fouled Michael. Michael was getting ready to swing on him, blah, blah, blah. And then we come back to Chicago. He was on a, he was, he, his face was on a wanted poster. So we, it was a bounty. It was a bounty out on Danny Ferry. Okay. I'm not, I'm, now that the statue of limitations, the NBA can't find us anything. Yes, there was a bounty out on Danny Ferry's head for what he did to Michael at the, at the arena. And um, so we come back and, and uh, so we had this thing. It said, okay, when Danny Ferry comes in the game, it's almost like Lenny Wilkins knew that there was a bounty on his head and he didn't really <laughs> play him a lot. And then there was an opportunity. We came in the game. We were winning. And um, the thing was, Phil said, hey, when he makes it, you know, as soon as he gets in the game, if he gets a layup, take him down. He's got to go down. He's got to go down hard. So that was the bounty. So everybody knew. And so this whole game, he hardly, he hardly ever played. And then he got in the game and played towards the end, and he has a layup. And Will Purdue, and I'm going to put Will on blast, Will <laughs> Purdue had the clearest shot to get him. And so I'm guarding someone else. I don't even know who I was guarding, but they were right on the perimeter. And I'm looking at Will, and Will's just letting him go to the basket. He's not going to go hard foul him. So I'm like, oh, no, this can't happen. This might be our only shot at this guy. So I come flying out like a free safety, like Jack Tatum. And so he goes in. I did make a play on the ball. Like, I, I really sold it like I was going for the ball. But I did knock the hell out of him. But so so then the benches got in, the benches cleared, everybody was out on the floor. And the smallest guy on the floor, not Mark Price, but Steve Kerr. So Steve Kerr is a feisty, and he's my teammate too, so I know Steve. So I'm walking away, and there's all these words are being said. And Steve Kerr's in my face, like yelling at me, you yeah. that's Bush League, blah, 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 blah. I ought to kick your ass. I'm like, <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. Like, really, dude? Like, so I just got him like in a chokehold. I didn't throw punch him, but I just kind of grabbed him by the throat. Like, I will choke your neck off. And uh, but but th- there was a bounty on Danny Ferry's head. There might still be one if we ever see him. But <laughs> cause he cause he cause the shot he did on MJ, I don't know if you remember, Mark, but oh. that was kind of that was kind of a cheap shot. And well. I, we understood why he did it because you wanted to get him out the game. I think about every team had a bounty on Danny. So. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're right on that one. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> so, so tell tell our you know I, I you know I tell people you know how great a shooter you were in high school. Best best high school shooter I've seen. Now you you know you don't you got you started coaching you were head coach out of Charlotte and you work with young players tell tell our listeners you know what the difference in young kids today compared to when you were being coached and you know by your high school coaches and Johnny Williams you know what's the mentality because to me these kids now everybody wants to get to the NBA nobody really wants to get better their goal is to get to the NBA and so they feel like watching the NBA game they, they kind of take what they're seeing in the NBA and putting it in their game, and it's all about the three-point shot. There's no mid-range game. There is no – it's either three-pointer or try to get to the rim and finish. But the the, the elements of the game, the passing, and all, it's kind of lost. No, I, I agree with you. I You know, it's funny when I go do a shooting clinic or doing – I mean, kids or parents even are amazed. Like, I never had a three-point shot until I got to the NBA. Like, it wasn't even in college. Nope. When I – 
And the ACC, my fresh my freshman year at the at Georgia Tech, ACC was the first conference to experiment with the three point shot. And so in conference play, we had a three point shot, and it was literally a little bit inside the top of the key, if you can believe that. Yeah, wow. that's lip. I led the league in scoring as a freshman <laughs> because of that. I beat Michael out. Michael was at UNC, and I beat him out for the scoring title because of that three point line. And so that's the only time I ever got to play with one. And of course, they did. They took it out. I called the Mark Price where They took it out till I left college, and then they put it in the next year for everybody. Wow. <laughs> but uh, but I tell I tell kids when I'm talking to them and players all the time, you know, that it was a blessing. I it was a blessing that I didn't have the three point line because I, I think that that debilitates so many kids' ability to grow as a player. Because I used to run my basketball camp and my my speech after the first day of camp every year. Because you come in right, you got 200 kids in, out in the gym, and and there's like nobody inside the three point line. Like you walk in before camp starts, and there's like 200 kids just jacking up threes. Like it don't matter if they're five years old, 15 years old. And so you know, my big speech that day is, I'm coming in here tomorrow, and I better not see anybody out there. <laughs> the first 20 shots from the three point line, and you know, because I just learned, you just learned to play the game. If you were open from 10 feet, you took the shot. If you were open from 20 feet, you took the shot. And, you know, if you're open at five feet, there wasn't any of this, you know, shoot the three or get all the way to the rim mentality. And so, you know, I felt like it, it developed my game. You know, I was such a skilled shooter. It didn't matter. Like, you know, all those shots that I was able to hit, you know, splitting the screen and stuff, that's stuff that I had practiced you know, my entire life because I wasn't out there every day standing behind shooting 400 three-point shots. You know, I was just shooting all over the court. And uh, I think it really, you know, to, to Stacey's point, I think I, I really believe in it. And this is not one of those old school, new school things, but I just think you had an overall more skilled player coming in, you know, to the pros because of those reasons. I mean, they just knew how to play. You played the game, you played basketball when you were open, you took the shot, you weren't you weren't looking down on the floor seeing you know where the three point line was all the time. And so, you know, I really believe that was like a blessing for me uh, as a player growing up because I just I didn't have that distraction, you know, cuz I in a lot of ways I think that three point line, especially when kids are young and trying to learn to shoot and I mean, that's just a distraction. Like all they want to do is make a three. You know, yeah. so how do you how do you feel analytics is is uh, helped the game or hurt the game? Well, I think uh, I think like anything, I think there's good and bad to everything. You know, I think obviously analytics gives a lot of information. You know, to players, coaches, stuff you can use, uh, no doubt. But I think also the game of basketball. I think probably unlike any other sport, you know, uh, there's a feel there's a feel to the game. You know, I mean. You know, I, I always got a kick out because, you know, these combine things now, you know, that started with football, those yeah. combines, how high a guy can jump or how fast. I, and I think that that really carries over probably to the game of football, you know. Uh, but when you start doing it, so, you know, a guy in basketball measures a 40-inch vertical leap. I probably, I probably had a 25-inch vertical leap. So, but I was going to be a better player than that guy I was going to play against. And so how do you measure that? And I think, you know, I think analytics, I tell people all the day, if I had to go to the NBA combine, I probably wouldn't get drafted, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think there's, there's part of the game that you can't, 
you know, you can't measure a guy's heart. You can't measure, you know, his feel for the game and, and things like that. And that's why I'm, I think I'm enjoying this, this series because Chris Paul, he's a, he's an old school point guard, right? Yes. Out there. Just playing the game the right way and just lighting it up. And I, and I hope that people see that, you know, there was one game I think he had, I think it was in the semifinals. I can't remember where he had like 30 something points and, you know, multiple assists and, he didn't shoot one three pointer the whole game, you know? And so it was like, uh, just, you know, it, it was fun to see that, Hey, you know what, uh, you know, analytics does what it does and there's a lot to it, but you can still win games and not have to win the three point battle every single night. And, uh, agreed. Yeah. We had Sam Smith on last week. Um, and he talks about how no one talks about the great Nick teams. It's all about what happened just now. Um, it was in reference to, I might've been Chris Paul, what he did. He's the greatest player ever. And no one talks about some of the great Nick players that he saw. You played in an unbelievable super team era, the Boston Celtics, the Lakers, you mentioned the Sixers, the onset of the Bulls, the Pistons. I mean, can you just tell our viewers that may not have watched any of those games in the eighties, what it was like to play in the league? I know you talked on the Bulls. But before the Bulls, there were all those other teams. I just would like to get your take on how competitive it was to play, not, not just in the Eastern Conference, you know, with the Bucks too, but what was that like? Uh, I mean, the, the Eastern Conference, when I got into the league, when I showed up at Cleveland, was just off the charts. I mean, you had Boston, Chicago, Detroit. I mean, Philadelphia, the Bucks were, were good. I mean, it was just, like, loaded. And – what other people forget as well, there was only 24 teams. Yep. Yeah. Know, I, and so, I mean, you had literally guys, your sixth, seventh, and eighth men on teams back then could light you up on a yeah. game night. I mean, you had, you know, the Vinnie Johnsons of the world. You know, we had a guy named uh, John Battle who played in yep. Atlanta. I mean, the dude, dude comes in cold, you know, stepping on the floor, going to get you 20 you know, on any given night. I mean, that the level of, you know, now, I mean, in my opinion, you've got guys that are starting, you know, in the league now because there's so many teams and it's spread out so much that, that, you know, would have a hard time, you know, getting on the floor with the rosters of some of those teams. I mean, you talk about the Celtics with, with their roster. I mean, Parrish, Bird, McHale, Dennis Johnson. I mean, Danny Ainge. I mean, that's, that's, that's your starting group. I mean, that's just, I mean, crazy. Uh, you know, and and so it was it was so much fun and so much of a challenge for us as a young core with our group to come in and have to compete against that every night because you had no choice. You were either going to get better <laughs> and you were going to compete or you were going to get your butt kicked every night. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a special time, a fun time. I, like I said, I feel blessed to have played in that era. I got to play against so many of the all time greats from, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Dr. J's, you know, Larry Bird's, Magic Johnson. You just keep going and going and going. And uh, it was just every night was, was a thrill, you know, to play in the league. 
Well, Mark, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, you were one of the all-time great shooters, yes. had a great run with the Cleveland Cavaliers, some classic battles with the Chicago Bulls. And we, we tape an episode to give me the hot sauce every weekend, and at least once a month, Stacey King references yes. the great Mark Price. I mean, he yeah, mentions absolutely. you all the time as one of the all-time greats he played against. Hall of Famer in my book. You have those Oklahoma ties, those roots run deep, and uh, he, he talks about those days very fondly. So thank you so much for joining the show continued success in your career and uh we we love talk, catching up with you mark i appreciate having me on man i always appreciate stace oklahoma brother man yes oklahoma. sir ski hey tell tell your brothers i said what's up all right i will take care thanks mark that is the great mark price the great mark price hall of fame in my book baby get him in the hall of fame coming up next we're going to go off the wall with a topic that i think you're going to have a lot of fun with it is a happy hour edition of give happy me the hot hour, sauce baby. nobody knows how dry i am give me the hot sauce give me the hot sauce Welcome back to our Thank God It's Friday happy Friday. hour edition of Give Me the Hot Sauce. We mentioned this at the top of the show. We don't normally record uh, late Friday afternoon, and since it's the start of the weekend, we thought we'd have a lot of fun. Our guy Timmy <coughs> Whispers had a keg freshly tapped, so we appreciate that. I don't normally eat Fritos. <laughs> Please don't eat them again. Do He's, not eat them again. Stacy knows he hasn't opened up the Doritos because no, that would just yeah. scare everybody out of yeah, here. Yeah, nobody wants to smell feet. I'm just going to take my <laughs> Ruin the whole off. show. <laughs> Look at John. I opened them. Look at John over eating Fritos now. Look at him. At least Look he's chewing like away like from like the a, microphone. like a squirrel. Look, look at like him. a seasoned professional. Look at, him, look at him. Like a little squirrel <laughs> leaning over to the left so we won't hear him crunching. Go ahead and crunch him, John. Go ahead. We're going to take the show in a different direction. We want to thank the great Mark Price for joining us. Class exemplified. Now we're going to go to no class and then talk about <laughs> one of the much debated movies in the history of Hollywood. This is the uh, the off-the-wall portion. Yes. And we're kind of combining it with rapid fire. Did he get the rifles? If he wouldn't be eating Fritos, he would hit that button a little bit faster. <laughs> we got to talking in our, in our production conversation about one of the movies we all enjoyed called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, took some uh, liberal uh, looks at the, the life of uh, what, what happened in, in that disaster in Hollywood when there was uh, all those people killed, where Charles Manson supposedly was involved. And we don't know if the movie was, was actually accurate, but it was a lot of fun to watch. And, and Stinger, you were telling us about uh, a great stuntman by the name of Gene LaBelle, who uh, actually was uh, one of the motivations for that. Yeah, I, I get, apparently, um, <clears throat> according to Tarantino and things I've read, that uh, Bruce Lee didn't like stuntmen. Yeah. And he, and he kind of abused them. And so the... Tag him. Uh, and and the, green, <laughs> the Green Hornet, the stunt coordinator, brought this guy, Gene LaBelle. And if you look up this guy, because this guy had a unbelievable wrestler, grappler, I think he had nicknames and... And so he brings in Gene LaBelle, apparently, for a scene, and he basically beats up Bruce Lee. And Bruce Lee um, brings him in, and teach, you know, and Stacey can elaborate a little bit about Bruce Lee, how he used all different <coughs> forms, but he kind of brought him into his repertoire, and, um, and that was Cliff. That's Cliff's the character. Brad Pitt Cliff character. Booth. Yeah, and the thing that we were talking is, like, Tarantino says, oh, yeah, Cliff was a killer. He could have killed Bruce Lee. <laughs> and and okay. I guess the scene was they were going to have Cliff kill or beat up Bruce Lee and Cliff uh, and uh, Brad Pitt said, wait a minute, let's yeah. not, let's not do not that. So, don't take it that far. So yeah. So then they did the two out of three knockdown and, and uh, Cliff having trained in, 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 in Vietnam and hand to hand 
kind of set up Bruce Lee apparently and knew his move. And then we on came the at Green him. Hornet, yeah, uh, well, yeah, on this in the movie. <clears throat> and then when he came at him again, he kind of turned his body and pivoted and threw him against the car, which my uh, effing car, my effing car, which is a great scene. <laughs> In itself, but anyways, we, we just uh, I'm, well, I'm sure Cliff Booth was actually based on Lee Needham, another star. Wait, where did go? Because he was the guy who actually was the uh, special forces guy paratrooper. So and Stacey, you tell two stories. You, you've done a lot of research on, on Bruce yes. Lee, so you're, you're very familiar. With it. He was a small guy, but obviously yes. wasn't afraid to take on anybody. But you know, in this legend from the Tarantino story, that he felt like Lies. a grappler could Lies. could take care of Bruce Lee. Lies. <laughs> Lies. Okay. Listen, first of all, <laughs> America, there's no way in the world that Bruce Lee was getting beat up by a stuntman. I'm sorry. Now, he might have <laughs> he might have shown Bruce Lee some moves as far as grappling because Bruce Lee was always evolving as a martial artist. Okay. He went from Wing Chun style to the Jeet Kune Do style, and he created his own style that mm -hmm. is even used today. Okay. So, Quentin Tarantino, first of all, you weren't even there. You, 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 so you can't validate that. You know what I'm saying? If you were there and someone was there, they said, yeah, uh, Gene LaBelle beat him up. Uh, that, man, listen, you didn't do Bruce Lee like that. The man with the one-inch punch. Matter of fact, I, I even told John that I was I would come in there because I'm a Bruce Lee disciple, okay, America. I was going to do a one-inch punch on John today, but he refused to do it because oh. he knows. Oh, see, look at it. Look, America, look at those America, hands. He's got America, James King's hands. America, look right? at this. Look at this. America, see this fist right here? Now watch. That's the one-inch punch I'm, right there. I'm See how still fast it was? The wiffle ball challenge. <laughs> Wait, no, that so, sounds a little safer uh, than the one-inch punch. Well, no. <laughs> See, look at the power generated. I'm just giving you half the power. I'll, I'll do dinosaur it. Dinosaur arms. I'll do it. You know what? You're going to take Susan, the one-inch punch. First of all, Susan, I'll take I'm the one-inch punch. I'm not. I'm not. I will one-inch punch a woman. Okay, I'll just. I will, okay? <laughs> I'll one-inch punch you, okay? All right? I won't hit you as hard. You just said you'd never punch a woman. Well, Trevor Bauer, you know, Trevor Bauer's doing it. Come here, baby. The opinions of Stacey King oh, do not necessarily reflect those I'm giving Trevor Bauer, you are a freak. You should, should not be doing rifles? that. Should no, I? hit the rifles, man. <laughs> Trevor Bauer, you are wrong for that, Trevor Bauer. There's a big fight coming up, a big UFC Ooh, battle. Conor McGregor against yes. Dustin Poirier, the yes. third and final bout of the trilogy. Suckers. And, you know, Conor doesn't look John. the same as he did in his heyday. Has he got a chance in this fight? He is going to win by knockout, oh, America. Okay. Right. He is, let me tell you something. A motivated Conor McGregor is a dangerous Conor McGregor. I thought it was too much proper number 12 uh, whiskey. Yeah. Listen, all jokes aside, Mark Shinowski, <laughs> okay, do not bet against Conor McGregor. All right. He always comes back and he wins the rematch. He's going to knock out Dustin Poirier. Bet on him, America. What bet do you think, Timmy? Come on, it's Timmy. His, it's actually his 12th main card, so it's proper 12 for him to win this. Oh, oh, that was good. Way to go, Taylor. Way to tie that in. Unfortunately, we're not sponsored by He's Proper 12, <laughs> so we shouldn't even be saying that we kind of stuff. We will be soon. Oh, 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 Proper 12. Whoa, who the fuck is this guy? What's funny is that Poirier and McGregor are both 32, the same age as Bruce Lee when he died. Okay, oh, wow. That, way, way, to way to bring down What did you think about the whole uh, pre-fight news like, conference? And they like Fritos. Oh, my it God. Seemed, it seemed like McGregor came off you know, a little bit desperate, and Poirier seems very confident. Uh, that, I think, is the difference, because it was the opposite the last time. And if you look mm -hmm. at McGregor and what he's saying, he's just a corpse. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. 
It's time to take him out. Well, here, here's what happened. Are you guys getting together for the yeah. fight? No, he's not invited. He's not doing ribs, so I'm not coming over. <laughs> so if he was doing ribs, oh, I'd be man. coming over. Okay? But here's the difference in the second fight. The, the second fight, McGregor was too nice. He was complimentary. He, if you ever follow Conor McGregor, I'm a big Conor McGregor fan in America. He's never complimentary of anybody he fights. He's always trying to get into their head psychologically. And he didn't do that with Dustin Poirier in the second fight. And then he also was preparing to fight Manny Pacquiao in a boxing match. So therefore, he wasn't doing any mixed martial arts. If you remember that fight, if you watch that fight, you know, Conor McGregor got beat with a basic move. He got he got a calf, calf kick. kick. Yeah. That's a basic move. He, he didn't check that kick not one time, which in turn really weaken them because if you're getting kicked in the calf you got no you can't stand and push off the leg to generate power with your punches because your calves hurt so bad and that's one because if you early in the fight he was he was tagging Dustin Poirier Dustin Poirier was ready to go out in the first round so now if he checks that calf kick this time because if you watch embedded they do like um like a, something like HBO hard knocks uh UFC does this thing called embedded and Dustin Poirier was talking to uh, uh, Jorge Mando, um, uh, Masvidal. He mm -hmm. says, hey, he goes, what are you going to do this fight? And then, you know, Dustin Poirier said, hey, look, you know, last fight I wasn't even planning on kicking him in the calf, and he didn't defend it, so I just kept kicking him in it. So he went in there not thinking, you know, he wasn't going to do any calf kicks, and it just happened. But this time he's going to have to fight because Conor McGregor will be in his karate stance, and it's a difference. He was in a boxing stance before where he couldn't check kicks. Now he'll be in his quick, you know, his quick karate stance where he's able to move a little bit better, and I just see the outcome being a knockout. Yeah, Your kids coming over to watch the fight? Yeah, it's a free fight, free food. <laughs> you know, that's the only time my kids love me. You know, they they, they sent the order today. They's like, hey, dad, um, yeah, we're getting the fight, right? Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm paying for it. Um, you gonna get that pizza for us, Lou Malnati's? Lou Malnati's, if you're listening, <laughs> Lou, Lou Malnati, all the people, Lou Malnati's. That's one of my favorite pizzas, baby. So if you're listening right now, we can use the sponsors some free pizza too. Okay, so you see Stacey King name come up on the order tomorrow, and you see me ordering two large pan pizzas. You know, don't be afraid to give it to me for free, baby. <laughs> I don't turn nothing down with my collar. I'm doing shameless plugs right now, and you know what? And you know when I get that pizza. One of the favorite things I like to do is put my hot sauce on it. There you go. Give me the oh. hot sauce on my pizza. Another shameless plug. It's, to, my, it's my show, so I can do it. It's free advertisement. Wow. Give me the hot sauce dot com. It's yes. available. Give me the hot sauce dot com. Are we going to talk about Brock Water now? What's the what's the water company that? We hey, uh, Angel Sauce. Angel Water. Angel Water. Oh, if you want great water, purified water, uh, make sure you call my guy Andy. And uh, he'll 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 take care of you. I'm hitting the rifles. Yeah. <laughs> Another shameless plug. We celebrated the Fourth of July weekend uh, this past weekend, and and Stacy was struck by a video that he saw. A young guy uh, shooting oh. fireworks. That reminded oh. of a story from your youth. Man, Did I tell you, you really what. Do that. Hell to the All yeah. The time. Well, explain the time. exactly what the instrument okay. is. Okay, grateful. Okay, America. Back in the day when we used to have the, you could pop fireworks in your yard. You could have any kind of fireworks you wanted. M80s. There was no, there yeah, M80s, all the, all the stuff. And there was no rules. So no what, rules, we used, yeah. what we used to do is like the OK Corral. No so we get the, the Roman candles. Okay, the Roman candles was like a shotgun, basically. So, so the other person that you're going to fight, we get Roman candles too. So you light them at the same time. And then you used to have a Roman candle fight. And so you'd shoot each other with the Roman candles. And I mean, literally, you would hit each other with the Roman candles. And it was a great experience unless you got burned, unless you got hit. Okay? If you weren't quick, you got hit a lot. Okay? So we saw a video the other day, because we had just been talking about, me and Tim had talked about doing that. 
when we were kids. And it was a great childhood we had. A lot of, you know? fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of kids might have lost an eye, but hey, they're okay now. You know, they might have to wear a patch, but they're okay. Okay. So, so, so we missing see a couple fingers. Yeah. That's, missing you a couple really fingers. Yeah. You don't need them anyway. You're not yeah. typing. Yeah. You're not, you know, you're, you're not, not texting typing. anybody. You can talk into your phone now and send a message. <laughs> Hello, this is John. Uh, you know, that's JPP about it. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That was, that was terrible. Uh, that was 4th of July. Yeah. That was, that was 4th of July. So, but anyway, we saw this lady, we saw this guy. I don't think the lady really wanted to get shot with the, no, <laughs> I, I she, was, not, she, yeah. she looked yeah. like a deer. She was running and the dude was just, chasing her all over the place and he was hitting her with this roman candle and at first when you see the video you go oh my god i used to do this you know as a kid and then you start seeing it was a, a lady running and he was actually she didn't want to get hit with it he kept shooting her, her i don't know if it, yeah i don't know if it was her husband or boyfriend <laughs> hair on fire was but her hair caught on fire like the michael jackson commercial the pepsi commercial so it starts yeah. to it starts to light up and he's still shooting her no and no one stepped in and say hey man stop you know don't do that they just everybody was laughing having a good time nobody liked her I, I must have. She must have. She must not have been a friend <laughs> not, to anybody not a blanket, over there. Not a bucket of water. Nobody put a bucket of water on her. No one put a towel over her head. She just was running around. He was steady shooting her with the candle. But again, we can look back at our childhoods and, and look back on that. And we used to do the same thing. But no one caught, hair caught on fire. We didn't have that situation. Do you think uh, that Mark and Brent Price were, shoot, were doing that in Enid, Oklahoma? No, nah, they lived in the suburbs. They, you know, they they had people come to the, the house with fireworks and you know, they, they, sparklers. Yeah, they're sparklers. Yeah. yeah, they held the sparklers. They didn't do like you know when you, from where we Saying did. God it. bless America. No, nah, nah, we we, we where we it. where we came when we did it. We was we was straight like war. okay. Corral yeah. said. Uh, speaking of suburbs, we had our own fireworks show. We have a neighbor that closes the street down, so we south side. Is that legal? I, I I apparently it's in Brookfield, I think Wisconsin. They had a permit. The permit. You got to have a permit. They can shut down yeah. the street. They sure. Down Block the street. party. The Block party. Yeah. And uh, we were creepy old guy on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> creepy old guy on the bike. Yeah. Now we walked. Because the dog attacked. <laughs> no, we walked. And it was an amazing display was right awesome. there. Thousands of dollars <laughs> lit off in the air, but it was fun. There was Did nobody... all the neighbors come out? Yeah. It was. Street. It, this street is the coolest street in the neighborhood because they all hang out and they had a little party and they had their food. And then they have their kids running around, yeah. and then they—you they, know who doesn't like fireworks? Dogs. Dogs. Yeah. How are you? How'd your dogs? My dogs up? loved it. Really? <laughs> oh, my dogs yeah. loved it. Come on. Oh, they didn't get scared at all. They were like literally trying to run and trying to chase things that were two neighborhoods away. They were trying wow. to see the little bombs go up in the air. They're running trying to get them. They give were them the not... shot collar just to make it more fun. Hey, you know what? Let me tell you something. See, yeah, see, there you go, America, wow. America, wow. America. You know, listen. Sometimes you got to get a shot collar. That's right. Sometimes yeah. you got it. You know, there was a good meme that I saw over the weekend. It was a cat watching a fireworks show, and it goes, "This is me, my cat watching fireworks while your sorry ass dog hides under the bed." Oh wow! Was... Oh, that's, those are wow. fighting words there. I think yeah. it was bitch ass, but yeah. wow. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, though, my dogs were not afraid. And, um, you know, America, we talk about the shot collar. <sighs> okay, so let me tell you why I got a shot collar, America. Okay, because first of all, my area doesn't have fencing. Yeah. So it's, it's on a golf course, everybody's running around. Okay, boom. Okay. So <laughs> my dogs love to run across the street and chase people. Okay. So let me, so I was on my phone the other day and I wasn't paying attention. I was doing something on my phone and all of a sudden they take off. There's a dog across the street on the other sidewalk. They talk to each other first before they yeah, take no. off. You know what? And let me tell you what they do. It's like one watches the other. Yeah. And if one breaks, the other one breaks. Okay. You normally it was Kobe, the little gray one. He's the one, he's the, I call him nickname trouble. He's the one always <laughs> getting in trouble. But this time he was just sitting in the, he was sitting in the driveway, laying in the driveway on his stomach. Cause he likes to cool. Cause it was cool this day. All of a sudden, Brixton takes off across the street. 
his big dog. Now, what are you going to do? This dog outweighs you by 125 pounds, but he runs after this big dog, and then Kobe gets off. Boom! I'm trying to I'm trying to get to the collar shocker. I can't find it. It's like when you need. It's like when you're trying to get a gun when you need it, and you can't get it, and they say, you know, the we've the bad all had guy, that experience. Yeah, right? The bad guy gets you. You know, like you're trying to kill Jason, and you're like trying to, oh my god, oh my god, and he gets I you. I just had a gun. Yeah, hey, I, I just had a gun or machete. Hey, I think we should say more than America because we are in 39 countries. I maybe you might want to. Rephrase. You know that. what? Maybe you need to mind your own business. <laughs> okay. Just okay. You, you want to try to get technical over there, Captain America, with the with the with the black shirt on. Well, you know. Flag, I, I mean, we need to see the flag. I, first, I didn't see. Is that it's like 1776? Oh, that's no, right. no. There's 50. okay. 50. Okay. There's 50 there you here. go. Okay. There you yeah. go. All right. Is that Polo? We'll count them up later. Is that Polo? Uh, it could be. <laughs> no, Polo does his. It's no, Polo does his shirt like that. Yeah. Or is that Hunt Club? It's Hunt, it's it's Hunt, Hunt. Club. Yeah, it's, oh, Hunt. it's Hunt Club. Okay. I think it's, I think it's, it's Fruit of the Loom is yeah. what it is. I think it's oh Dick's, wow! It's Dick Sporting Goods. Dick Sporting Goods. I'm the rifles. Look out. <laughs> Chess Club. We've uh, reached the midway point of, the, of Major League Baseball season. The White Sox are running away with the America League Central Division. I think they're up by six and a half uh, wow. games, or was it seven and a half in the last check? And the Chicago Cubs are ready to unload. Wow, what a free fall that was. They went from first place a couple of weeks ago. Now they're getting ready to sell off Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell and anybody else that, that teams are willing to make a bid on. As uh, Jen Hoyer, Milwaukee. their general manager said, We're life, seven up. life happens fast. And all of a sudden, the Cubs are sellers. And this is the end of an era for, for the Cubs, that great World Series team with Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez and all those guys. You barely recognize it in a couple of weeks. And I think that's one of the things, Stacy, that's unique to baseball is when a team decides they're out of it, all things must go. The fire sale starts. Oh, man. It was just, it, how many, what, a month ago they were in the first place? Yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And then they, they lost 11 games oh, in a row. Oh, my God. They, they matured. They finally discovered who they were. <laughs> oh, I'm free, Sorry. free falling. Yeah, that's what they did. They free. Because I'm going to tell you right now, listen, listen. I mean, that that's crazy to see them go that fast. In a matter of two weeks. Well, they, they had a no-hitter, four-pitcher, combined no-hitter in Dodger Stadium. And since then, they lost 11 straight. Mm -hmm. and then, well, I mean, yeah. and, and then, I mean, listen. You, and Milwaukee you can, won 11 in a row. Yeah, and then we, we it was a beatdown. We? We. Well, I'm. We. Wow. Wow. Little Molly. Wow. Little Molly. Wow. <laughs> little Molly over there. Jump oh, on the bandwagon. Did you wear a jersey in the truck? It was. It was priceless. We. It was we. priceless when they scored 10 runs. To, to show all the Cubs fans going for the exits. You know what? Yeah. I'm, you know, that's uncalled for. You, you, weren't, you wanted yeah, you to come a, up. You got a Yankee hat on. Yeah, yeah but, you yeah, know, yeah, listen, yeah, listen, yeah. listen. <laughs> Southside, you keep sliding in here and yeah. throwing little darts at me. Okay? Yeah, they're nine, by, they're I, nine I, out, I'm, by the I'm way. Not, the I'm not reserved to nine give out. you a throw punch. I've been known to do it. I've been known to, uh, you know. <laughs> one inch. <laughs> no, not the one inch punch on Southside. It's a throw punch because she can recover from that. Oh, full dragon a punch. punch she might not be able to remark Bruce Lee one inch. She might not be able to recover. But the, the throw punch. <laughs> She's out. Once again, again, you said you never punch a woman. So no, I, I would never punch a woman. There's never ever. ever we need to tell ever, Trevor about that. I feel very safe. Woman. You're safe, <laughs> but 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 I've been known to throw punch just by. I've been known to do it. I've been known. You know. You know. You know. I've been known to do it. You don't see it coming. Hey, listen. 
Hey, Lois King might have got throw punched a couple times. I don't want to tell y'all about that. I had to throw uh, punch. Uh, I like, might have to throw punch my this mom. Just turned into true confessions. Yeah, true confessions. Uh, I don't know what's going on. No, here. no, I, I never. Listen, I never on a different team than James King. Listen, listen. Every I story listen, you've told, she's on the same. team I would never throw a punch my mother. That's my mother would. My mother was six foot one, <laughs> and she could throw them hands. Okay, and she was a dirty fighter. Okay, you just never knew what was coming your way. Could be a fork in the eye. It could be you know those wooden spoons that used to be on your wall. Used to hang back in the seventies. The wooden spoon and fork. She's been known to pull one of those off and hit you in the head with it. What did it, she hit your brother with? Like, corn on the cob. <laughs> no. Oh, my older brother? Yeah, older brother. Oh, my other brother got a, he got a Yadro in the head. But see, my younger, my younger brother, my younger brother, when he was like, he might have been about nine years old. He kept harassing my mom in the kitchen when she was cooking. And so she's like, hey, mom, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do? What are you going to And just kept talking. Like, yeah. he was, like he was one of those uh, those people that uh, you know, do auctions. You know, hey, mom, what are you going to eat? What are you going to do? What are you going to fix? And so she said, boy, if you don't get your little ass away from me, leave me alone. Like, mom, come on, mom, what are you going to eat? What are you going to have dinner? And she, was, she had corn on the cob. She had just took the thing off the corn, and then he came in there one last time. After she had warned him. See, when Lois King gave you one warning, you're supposed to know yeah. never to go back in the kitchen. He got two warnings. There was not a third. So the third time he came in there, hey, my mother, she took the corn on the cob and busted him in the head, and corn <laughs> flying everywhere. And he, he ran out like he got hit by a chair. And so I'm in there running the vacuum cleaner because we had chores at that time. And I'm over there complaining about running the vacuum cleaner because it wasn't my day. It was my older brother's day to do the vacuum, and she's making me do it. And I was back there mumbling, like, you know, he's making me do something. You know, never make him do it. And then after I saw the corn on the cob and hit, I, I decided just to go ahead and run that vacuum cleaner and yeah. not say a word. <laughs> that was in the best interest of me. I made an executive decision as a 12-year-old just to run the vacuum cleaner and that, shut my mouth. That's the difference between implying and inferring. What? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great Timmy Whispers comes on the scene again with his knowledge. Well, when yeah. she said leave, she was implying you should leave. When you got cracked in the head, she inferred it's time for you to leave. Okay, thank well, you. Well, Stacy got her back on Fourth of July though with the hey, Roman candle. Hey, listen, yeah, listen. True. I never hit my mom with a Roman candle. <laughs> I would not be here today. Let me tell you, America. <laughs> if if I ever did that to my mom, my mom would have got gun. Forget a Roman candle. Yeah. I'd have been out of here. I don't know. Not Lois King. I think we talked about this at one point. Didn't your mom, because my mom had one, the barber's belt where they used to sharpen it. <sighs> we had one of those in the house. Not my mom. My grandmother had. My grandfather used to cut hair. You know, he had a barber shop. He used to cut hair. One. So he had that straight razor yeah, sharpener. Right. The big, thick thing. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I'm like five, six years old and doing something I'm not supposed to be doing. And he pulled that thing out, boy. And 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 those that was in the back of the days when parents didn't care where they hit you, or grandparents didn't hear, care where they hit you. You know, you got hit in the neck, you know, the shoulder. You're, I mean, I think I got beat with everything you can be. Yeah, beat we, with. John, John's mom wasn't a barber though. No, but she she actually. Oh, wow. How did she get that? She well, we used to get our hair cut at the barber, and she said, hmm, "Yeah, can't you tell?" Stacy was admiring. Yeah, her fingers cut the other day. Oh yeah. Hey, America. 
America. You gotta check out YouTube. Uh, you this this YouTube. haircut is something. Okay, see, look at John's hair right now, America. There he is right there. So, so the other day at the production meeting, you know, so like I noticed things about everybody on the show. Buddy Lee. So, so we see see John. John's up there, you know. He, he's he's looking fresh. He's got a fresh cut. I'm like, hey, John got a haircut, and I just see like this little patch of hair. So I started calling him Sweet Pea, uh, off Papa. You know, he got that little bit strand yeah. of hair, and then it went to Buddy Lee. Remember Buddy Lee, the little doll yeah. from Lee. And then the next phase for John is the comb over. Because as you can see right now, as on top is, I mean, he's looking sharp. And Susan is the barber. See, John doesn't want to let Southside know that he doesn't want his hair cut anymore. He asked me to say it. So I'm, you know, me. Is this America? Yeah, this again? America, America. America, America uh, France, uh, New Zealand, whoever may be listening to this. Okay, Sri Lanka, whoever may be listening. Cuba. Okay, Susan, Southside Susan, as you see in the background, who likes to like throw darts at people, her husband no longer wants her to cut his hair but he doesn't know how to bring it up to her and say I, I don't want you to cut my hair honey because he wants to keep a happy home so he's hired me this is an intervention yes I, I step in and I'm telling I'm saying what John wants to say oh. honey please put the damn clippers down I don't want you to cut my hair I want to go to supercuts. yes I would rather pay I would rather pay the $15.99 to go get my hair cut and get a shave too Done. As long as they don't touch my stinger, okay? Done. See, Done. now look, look at Susan. Done, done, look at her. She's got attitude now. She's a little salty. She's salty right now. Hey, Stinger, I noticed uh, there's no show and tell today. What, what's up? Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. Oh, oh where's little Molly? Uh, little Molly? How about little Stacy? I, I, I pulled this one out of the... Does it, oh! does it yeah, still work? Yeah, it does. Is the battery actually, loaded? Actually, I, I hit the button. Oh, and yeah, I made there, it. the box? Yeah. No, it's outside. Yeah, I hit this button and it made all the feedback. It. So let's see if it works. Nice. <laughs> Try, what about that? Try it again. What else you got? Oh yeah, yeah. Classic. By a dog. Classic. Another classic. Another classic. See, next time Stacy's late, we'll just uh, let that guy go. Huh? Yeah. Wow, that's uncalled for. Stacey, 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 what do you think? <laughs> and he'll always you know agree with us. That's hey, what's nice. You know what? Stacy, what do you think? You know what? This is this is what I'm talking about, America. That's a collector's item, first of all, America. That's right. It yeah. should be in a glass case. It should not be out. It should, it should be in a glass case, but he got it in a little tub downstairs, his little tub. Mixed in with his mixed cards. Mixed in with all his cars that he, he stole, stole from, from all the older people. Okay? And then he walks down there with he's got he's got butter oil on. You don't need that. And, and his in his little singlet. He's walking down there and uh, he pulled my little my little my little man out. Okay, I just want you to know it's a collector's item, ladies and gentlemen. If you get that, you can buy that on eBay. They're still out there. I know they are. You know why? Just going up. A classic. Instant. Yes. Not many left. People are dropping them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that still works. You know, he like, like twisted my head. My neck was hurting today coming in. It's like a voodoo doll. Yeah. He's like trying to get me. And I twist his head. Oh, Lord. I came in. My neck was sore. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're looking for the give me the hot sauce, you can also find that collector's item on eBay. Yes. The, the Stacy King talking bobblehead yeah. doll. It is a collector's it's a item. It's a collector's yeah. item. It, is. it was one of the it was one of the biggest bulls giveaways mm -hmm. in the history. It was like lines of people all around the arena to get that. And I tell you right now, I don't even have one. Oh, 
Oh, oh yeah, that's criminal. Oh. Now you gotta give it to no, because you know what happens. Because when people, I used to have a bunch in my house, so when like little kids come over and you know, I yeah. give them to little kids. You know, what I'm saying so. Is that like yeah, a trick or treat? Yeah, you get a bottle yeah, well, of dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I try not to be at home. <laughs> up the bag. I, hey, I try not to be at home on trick or treat. I don't. I'm, I'm not. That's home, a whole man. different episode. It's right? a whole different episode, man. <laughs> no, I can't be at home, man. Just, I gotta hear that one. Trick or treating with the king household. Mark, save it for October. Same for October. Yeah. Are you yeah. out in some field with a chainsaw? Why can't you? <laughs> <get some money? laughs> what the hell? He's gonna have his two dogs dressed up, hey, you know. Listen, he listen. lives in like suburbia. Listen, like, listen. The great pumpkin. I'm, listen, I'm not. I'm not talking to you, John, about it. Okay. Oh. But we'll save it. We'll save. We get we'll closer save for to October. Okay. Hey, speaking of upcoming events, we're taking the show on the road. We're going back to one of our favorite Saludos. places. Saludos. Family Italian restaurant in Gurney. You know the address off the top of your head there, Stinger? It's, uh, Grand it's on Avenue. Grand Avenue. Yes, it's it easy to find, just it's, west it of the intersection. Saludos, America. Yeah, come We're on gonna out. Be there Thursday, July 15th. We're going to get the festivities started at 6 p.m. You don't need a ticket. There's no admission. Just come in and join the great food, great Italian food offered there, and they showed us great hospitality last time. We're looking forward to our second visit. Uh, you know, I've got word from Johnny Yacht that he is putting a wiffle ball field back in, in the backyard. Oh, no. So, so you're going to get the one-inch punch, so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If I'm going to play wiffle ball, you're getting the one-inch punch. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Anybody wants to come John's in? I think a loser in that. In that oh, my job. God. Oh, so you said now you're challenging people to come yeah, up. Yeah, so five o'clock. You're going to try to strike out everybody? Well, they're going to wear the little Molly pitches. shirt and the whole deal. <laughs> five five o'clock. The crazy? wiffle ball's open in the back back part of the parking lot. We'll start he's, the show at six. America, then, he's inviting you to come out and try to hit his little yeah. swerve ball. He yeah. has. And then, and then the one inch punch at eight. Yeah. That's going <laughs> to be fun. <laughs> uh, if you're a paramedic, anybody that's a paramedic, please be there because if his heart stops because yeah. of the one inch punch. <laughs> We're going to do that at the end of the show, Stacey, yeah, right after we show. finish the taping. Yeah, we got to finish America, the if you're on YouTube, look how fast this punch is. It ain't even one inch. It's half an inch. Look how quick it is. He Float like hit. a butterfly, hey. sting like look, a bee. Look at them hands right the there. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an incredible hey, holding hand. Look at them fists. Those hands can eat some chicken. <laughs> yeah, they, hey, wait, they, hey, they, buddy. Hey, buddy. The James King. This is my dad's hand right there. That's my dad's hand right there. This is my hand. Oh, oh my God! I think we've done too much damage too here. Much Time to here. bring down the curtain on this. Thank God it's Friday. Happy hour edition to give me the hot sauce. Woo! We want to thank the great Mark Price for joining us. We want to apologize for anyone we may have offended along the way. And next week, if you get the chance to come out to Gurney, join us at Saludos Italian Restaurant. We're starting at six o'clock on Thursday, July fifteenth. Until then, Stacy. Drive home safely, Chicago. <laughs> beep, beep. Go, <laughs> McGregor. One inch punch. <laughs> Give me the hot sauce.